So in Houston, I'm John Herter. It's Tuesday, the ninth day of March. Great as always to have you along, everybody. In a nutshell, From the Experts is a compressed virtual networking accelerator, helping people across industries very quickly in a brief, moderated, interactive show format. It's like a TED Talk, but with networking. So what's in it for you? Well, the FTE promise, if all goes well, your curiosity's peaked, new ideas come to light, and you may have helped yourself and the other guy get to the problem faster, reach the opportunity faster. Network has never been more important to your business. Now, folks, help me welcome our guest expert, Amy Henry. Amy's CEO of Unique Ventures, an energy hybrid technology accelerator with a unique approach to venture capital. She's got a deep, rich background, energy, finance, capital, sorry, venture capital, and accounting with firms like Petronas, Shell, Ernst & Young, and several startups, including her own company. If you don't know her, you're going to want to meet her and be sure to connect with her on LinkedIn. So Amy, the global CO2 footprint, let's reduce that by investing in clean tech technologies into our infrastructure and our way of life. Hey, simple to cover in 45 minutes, right? No. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah. Pleasure, pleasure. What are you going to tell us about today in our 45 minutes? Uh, well, I'm going to try to stick to a few slides. Um, talk a little bit about what we do in our activities and um, and then in, in the context of what we're doing in, in clean tech and um, net zero, even though we like to get sometimes in industry a bit uh, semantic about that definition. But um, anyways, uh, Unique was launched in January of 2019. And like John has said, um, myself and the rest of our team, we're all from, from industry. You know, predominantly most of my career was spent with Shell and also working, you know, on the commercialization of technology, working with the labs, how do we scale it up? You know, why do we fail so many times? What, what are these different commercial models? Are there different ways of, of commercializing technology? It's, it's an age old industry problem, right? right. So essentially, Unique is, is a hybrid accelerator and venture builder. And so, like I said, we're run by industry people, we're backed by industry. Um, we have one of our partners, Miss Diane, speaking from Technique FMC. It's about an open innovation collaboration model with a field trial focus on, you know, and working with startups all the way through commercialization. So part of this, and especially with the push for clean tech, it's we're looking at, at basically deconstructing the, the funding model, right? Is, you know, as the, you know, the investment cycle needs a much longer life for clean tech, you know, are there other avenues in which we can create those needed investments for clean tech technologies to kind of survive that runway? So just to give a, a flavor, we work the whole value chain and, and we work on specific industry problems of our partners. This is all defined by them. So it, it is a combination of, you know, your traditional, you know, digitalization of the oil field industry 4.0, but then they also work on you know, longer term problems from hydrogen, CCUS, materials, um, carbon sequestration, um, biofuels, it, it goes across the array. So we at Unique, we, we don't see a lot of times people like to put clean tech in one bucket and ESG in another bucket. Um, for us, those two are um, linked. You can't do one without the other. So, you know, even we've got some of our industry partners that, uh, you know, 
immediately investing in, in the clean space with, with hydrogen and CCUS, where others are, are tackling you know, the ESG component and, and working on longer term. How am I going to address or what space um, do I want to play in, in in the new energy you know, economy that's coming up? Um, so so I'm, I'm not going to read all of this and John will, will kind of post this, but, but basically this is a global, global challenge for, and this is going to take unprecedented collaboration, right, from all parties of the ecosystem, right, across academia, through, you know, innovators, incubators, accelerators, industry, investors, um, and I'm not, I'm not kind of negative here, it's just if, if we take a look at where we need to be. You know, with the 2050 target, um, we have a long way to go. I mean, kind of if you look at some of the technologies that are at the prototype and demonstration kind of phase, um, there's only 35% of those technologies there. Of the additional 40% of those reductions, they haven't been commercially deployed yet on a mass market scale. All right. And one of our big partners is Canada, especially with our new partnership. So, you know, if we pick Canada as an example, you know, they invest a billion dollars each year in clean tech and 75% is, is coming from the petroleum part of the economy, right? And that's another reason why I say you can't look at the two separately. Um, and we have an important relationship between the U.S. and Canada as well. Right. So, so what we do is we, we look at, you know, the end-to-end -end of this, right, of, of this innovation cycle and the nutrients that you have to have. And and the amount of investment as you go from, you know, the, the ideation stage all the way up to the full commercialization. Um, unlike, you know, kind of other energy tech, you know, that investment horizon is going to be well, in some cases, well beyond 10 years, right? And, and it's a real question of, you know, who are the right investors and participants in order to commercialize these technologies? Um, and, and I thought I'd throw something up from Sarah Week. You know, we've got lots of people involved in, in hydrogen, but, you know, it's a reminder to everyone, you know, there's a, still a lot of infrastructure um, development that needs to be done or how do we repurpose that? You know, we still have a lot of efficiencies that, that need to be built into this pro process. Even, you know, Shell has been at the forefront of hydrogen. You know, it, it's not going to be everything going to be there by 2050. Um, I just do this as a quick show up because on the right hand side, if I look at my TRL, which is technology readiness levels, for traditional energy companies, we really start doing field trials at a TRL seven. So if you look at CCUS, you can see where the development is in a lot of these technologies. And that's, and that's really the starting point when we look at how do we assess technologies. Um, technology readiness is one, we have to look at the economic viability. Um, and that's really the, the key issue that we have is, is the scalability and marketability. So when we go through an assurance process, um, it is, a, 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 I would say, a much heavier process. We have to look at, you know, skills from a traditional oil and gas, from a systems engineering perspective, facilities design. We have to work on, on the non-technical risk. What are the risks of, you know, regulatory, right? Is there going to be other new technologies um, popping up? That are going to be competing for this. Um, if I pick my hydrogen, you know, there's assumptions on electricity prices, right? Are those are those assumptions going to hold out for the develop further development in some of those hydrogen technologies? Um, and then the other thing I would have to say is it really takes a community, right? Um, we have to, it's like herding cats in some instances. 
You know, it's, it's, it's getting, you know, some of the startups who haven't come from energy industry um, or don't have never done, you know, a, a, a pilot before, or they've never had to work with an industry partner. You know, we have to work with them on, on, on kind of really rolling up our sleeves and helping them. You know, we're working with our industry partners who are addressing many different things and in, in, in different spaces on these technologies. It's trying to get the investors to, and it's a very risky area, is how do we get the appropriate funding down to the startups as they begin this journey? Um, and it's, it's not an easy, easy process, right? Um, I don't think ever, anyone has the answers. I think everyone is trying to do the, you know, the best they can, but the big thing is is the global collaboration, right? That's going to be required in order to 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 basically move the needle in this space. Yeah. So, Amy, one one of the things uh, uh, Clive brought up is, you know, hey, what really defines the urgency here? I mean, this is massive. So, how do we measure what's defined? It is massive. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that there's there's been a big big push. I like to remind people, so I. I am McShell, so I was with Shell even, I'm trying to remember what years, probably 2004, 2005, we had wind, solar and power, right? And it was during those times when our institutional investors said, you know, drop, drop those activities, right? Um, we have to look at, you know, how, how is our industry finance, right? You know, we, we have to worry about dividend policy, right? We have to worry about, you know, cash on hand? Where do the investors want, want, you know, the companies to invest? So, you know, there, there has been a long history of investing, but, but now there has been a, a push, not only from the investor community, but you have, have a new consumer push, right? Society, right? Has, has, is, is, is a new party to this mix. Also pushing some of these issues as well. All right. So, so, uh, can you talk a little bit about your company's business model and how you get compensated? This is something that's coming from Andreas Matsuko. Well, we, we've actually, you know, we're all the time pivoting, right? I mean, I feel like, you know, that's why it's easy for us to tell start work with startups, right? We tell startups, we don't ask you to do anything that we don't do ourselves, right? And so with our new uh, Canadian partnership of, of kind of building this global platform, kind of a seamless process end to end, um, and, and what we're going to do is we, we typically kind of work like a typical accelerator, like a Techstars, where we would take a, you know, a percentage of equity, or we'd hold a, a right of first refusal, or even, you know, if we deal with later stage, we might take a, a percentage of, of revenue or royalty. But, but given the importance of this in a long life, um, we aren't going to, to take anything from the startup. We feel the importance of keeping that startup whole as possible you know, through that, for this whole commercialization process. So we have corporate sponsors. We have our industry partners that, that pay an annual membership fee. Um, we, we also, you know, have the, you know, the, I call deconstruction of the, the venture funds. So we have uh, um, venture firms, you know, paying a membership fee to, to look at these technologies because, but what we're doing is basically de-risking them. Right, and it's expensive for them to to you know build a a, a technical team up internally, right? Um, and then you know other organizations that we work with. So we work with you know Israel Trade Organization, we work with Norway. Right. So it's it's getting everyone to have skin in the game and to to share 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 a bit of that burden, right? 
So, so you know, this assurance process was the element that mm -hmm. you get into and kind of share, well, what, you know, what's the sticky difference between doing this with the regular tech versus clean tech? And what's your, you know, what's your take on that? What makes it different? What makes it harder? What needs to change? Well, I think, you know, one of the big things, and even this was a big issue, I would say, with unconventional technology, you know, when, when Shell developed looking at the non-technical risk, right, with the technology, is because there, it involves with so much on dependency of future markets, right, not knowing what that potential supply and demand, where it could shift, right, you know, what's gonna happen with regulation, what roles are the governments going to actually start to play in this? Um, you know, and, and you have this public aversion, right? Are, are people actually, you know, the consumers going to, to make that choice for the, for the clean, clean tech? I think Diana will hit some of it. I mean, we had this big discussion when, when Texas had that big storm, right? Mm -hmm. um, talking about that, the, the new mix, right? And, and the reliability of, of that product, right? Right now, you know, the um, pricing differential is not there, right? In terms of your choices that you have, all right? And then you're talking about a whole system, right? With clean tech, you know, you, you, you are building basically, you know, new business models and new economies, right? Whereas, you know, if, if I have a digital solution in a traditional, oil and gas, you know, industry sense, um, you know, that market is pretty much defined. My customer is pretty much defined, um, but it's a different world when we're doing, dealing with clean tech. Right. And you'd mentioned uh, about mindset, right? This is one of the things mm -hmm. that we to bring forward. I mean, because we've got a lot of different people in this uh, value chain. We're talking about, you know, influencing uh, the end customers that uh, make things from hydrocarbons. That's the, the space that you're working with from investors to oil and gas service companies to the operators to the startups. So, you know, there was one thing you could, or a couple things you could do there to change the way it's classically done. Where would you start focusing or where are you focusing? Oh man, that's tough, right? It's really tough. Um, you know, when we first put Unique together, you know, it was it was it was getting to find. It wasn't about the industry players themselves. It was really about the mindset, right? You know, how much were they willing to to try to you know roll up their sleeves and actively participate, right? And and I think that's really the the key thing. I think you need much more industry participation, right? With active participation in the space, kind of willing to to try new things and and fail and fail fast. And, um, and, and then share. So our industry partners share with one another, right? So when we do a field trial, um, those, those results are, are shared, right? You know, they're all working out, how do we make it easier for new technology to get trialed? You know, how do we get away from the 70, 80 page kind of MSA, you know, ensuring that we don't take IP from these, these companies? Right. How do we, you know, collectively and individually work as an industry to to make it an easier journey right for for you know this long pathway that these startups have to you know to increase the possibility the probability of success because the failure rate is so high right and part of our job is to work with them all the way through commercialization yeah. so it is getting more participation from industry right exactly and so i figured we'd roll right into the uh the poll 
these are things that we're curious what you guys out there, uh, what your experience is. So kindly take a minute as we're walking through these things. I mean, you know, are as a consumer, how much are you willing? Are you willing to pay more for clean tech? Uh, so this gets real, real fast. Amy, why don't you kind of walk us through uh, your thoughts on these questions? And and when when I see there's enough people responding, I'll. I'll yeah, I mean, I mean, the first one is you know I kind of said okay, let's just do this because you know going to just general innovation, right? And it's also then you know the the long discussion we have with the startups, right? Even if they have a successful field trial pilot, the the biggest failure rate is that adoption period, right? Right. right? It's, it's a real question of, okay, you've proved out the technology, the technology works, it's viable, but then sometimes it's, it's kind of the behaviors, right, of, and mindsets. So, you know, the organization may not be ready for that, your technology, right? Or it's, it's a matter of, you know, change management, and, and those are costly decisions. So, you know, same thing is, is when we talk about clean tech, you know, it, it, it's, it's the changing of your, your purchasing decision. Am I willing to pay more, right, for, you know, renewable power, you know, and that switchover. So it's, it's a question of, you know, where, where does the, the end consumer feel about, are they willing to pay a slightly higher prices, you know, for, for these products? Right. That's interesting. Uh, you said something that we talked about earlier, which is that adoption rate. So if the business unit manager, if he or she doesn't, you know, really buy into it, that integration never happens for the clean tech that was invested in to actually make a change and reduce the CO2 footprint. So that's one of the things that I know you guys struggle with a lot is to get that alignment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and we all, I mean, I'll just an example, wherever you go, you like to sit in the same place, you know, I mean, if you go somewhere, you know, it's like, hey, that's my seat, right? Um, we're creatures of habit. Right. And, 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 you know, so for some of these, you know, you get used to the way of doing things and approaches and, and how do you, I mean, there's a lot of technologies today that people haven't adopted, right? Just because, you know, there's a choice, right? Now everyone has a car, right? You know, it's available, fairly low cost, but some people, you know, choo choose not to. They've, they've got other alternatives like walking, right? Um, taking transit. Um, so, so it's those, those consumer choices. Okay, this is what everybody ended up coming in with. Uh, looks like uh, you can walk us through that. But. Yeah, I kind of expected that. I would, I would expect to have a kind of plus 10% most people would, if I had to guess. But I think number two is quite interesting, right? Of, of where we think, you know, the holding period is going to be for clean tech investors, right? right? Um, we, of course, you know, traditional VC, you know, typical, you know, kind of three to five, right? Um, so, you know, we, we, we know for certain, you know, that holding period obviously is going to have to extend, right? right? Um, you know, we, we have governments like, like Canada investing heavily in, in, in their, you know, clean tech and building out those, those clusters, you know, which was all, also helps quite a bit, you know, through that, you know, through that runway. Right. Um, hey, Amy, pull, pull down your presentation. Go ahead and take it down. Mm -hmm. And then keep going. Sorry, I've got a couple of questions coming in here. While mm -hmm. you that. Uh, one question from David, how do you manage the risk of unintended consequences? For example, wind requires backup, 
gas plants, but how do you account for the building and operation of those backup plants, the associated carbon footprint, or when it comes to the impact on the environment when technology, when the technology is decommissioned, right? Yeah. I mean, so so that's where I would say, I mean, for, for us, that's where that whole risk management plan, I mean, that that is a living, breathing piece that, that has to be embedded, right? Um, and that's why, you know, our team has to work hand in hand with a lot of the, these clean tech companies. You know, it's not users traditional, it's, it's, it's ever changing. It's, it's tied to your technology roadmap, um, to the choices that you're ma- making, to all the scenarios that you're running, right? HSE is just as important, if not more, right? Um, it's still another energy source that has to be addressed, right? Right. So, so then we have one here that talks about uh, from Regan. He says, hey, my wife and I sold both of our cars and do not drive, only Uber. And we don't plan on buying a car again because we have no use for one. So there you go. That's a change of behavior. Yep. That's a change of behavior. And then uh, we talk about Matt uh, Bell from Strategic Peace says, uh, hold period at which level of investment, question mark. At the angel, at the VC, PE, large, do you expect it to be greater than 10 years at one or more stages? I think the answer is yes. Why don't you talk about the length of these things? Yeah, I, I'm gonna invite Matt to join me, yeah, because he's he's also another ex, ex-Shell person for me. He used to work in Shell Technology Ventures as well, right? So, you know, I, I think a lot has happened in the investment community. I mean, if you just look at traditional investments, you know, angels are really not angel investors anymore. You know, your, your VC funds have grown into very, very large VC funds. You have very few micro VC funds, right? Um, you have other alternative investments that startups are, are choosing to, to utilize, right? Family offices are, are another one of those alternative. You know, there's other ways of financing. Um, and, and then you also have your, your CVCs also investing in, in funds more with, with clean tech besides their own, you know, individual investments. Right, so that they can, you know, you're basically kind of placing your bets on on a, a multitude of technologies, right? So, you know, and it's expensive. So, like, even on some of the CCUS technologies, even kind of getting up to that pre-pilot, I mean, you're going to spend more than fifty million dollars, right? That that's pretty costly, um, and and that's all risk, right? So, you know, who are the most appropriate people to, to kind of, you know, hold that risk, right, and, and take that? At the end of the day, it's economics, you know. You, you've got a cost of a capital. I mean, even Engie's been saying, you know, right now, they're good with kind of a, a break-even. But, you know, they're going to have to show a return, right? And, and, and this is where they say in Europe – a lot of the, the hydrogen technologies are still on the drawing board because there's, there's not enough investment for, to get those you know, technologies to that next phase. Right. So but I love to hear Yeah, exactly. No, I was just gonna say, let's go ahead and close this off, uh, the Q&A portion, and um, let's get to what everybody looks forward to, which is the FTE ask and give. So Amy, uh, if you had something to ask of the group, what is that? Oh, to ask? Yep. Oh, I would say if you're from the, the energy uh, you know, sector, I mean, I think it's, I think nobody has the answer, right? 
Um, besides with the work that we do, you know, we, we, we do donate a lot of our time, you know, we spend time working, you know, mentoring companies from, from like NREL out in, you know, the government labs. Um, it's, it's, it's thinking of, of different ways to approach and, and putting some skin in the game, right? Um, or if you want to get involved, I would say reach out to us and, and there's lots of different ways we can get you plugged in because there's more than enough work. Um, to be done in this space. I think that was your ask and give in one piece there. So I know, wasn't it? Do you I, like how I crafted it up? <laughs> so thanks. So uh, <laughs> let's move right on to uh, today's show, uh, which is brought to you by our underwriters, Porter Hedges, attorneys at law and the informed choice for complicated litigation in the energy business. Interpoint, the integrated software solution experts for continuous operations and emergency response protecting what you care about most, people, profits, brand, and environment. Unique, advent, new, unique adventures, how do you like that? Unique ventures, the hybrid, the energy hybrid technology accelerator with a unique approach to capital and Alliance Benefit Group, building retirement plans for your business that work. So like most competitors, you too are looking for smart places to spend your marketing and trade show dollars to increase online presence with targeted decision-maker influencers. FTE's monthly subscription service gives you a unique virtual channel to your decision makers. Interested? Hey, talk to me. So let's roll right into our group networking session so we can learn from your experiences out there, everybody on the call today. And just as a reminder, when it's your turn, hey, ever so briefly, introduce yourself, your business, along with your take. It's a real pleasure and our good fortune to have Dr. Diana Grauer, Director of research for Technip FMC to lead this discussion. Hey, Diana, how are you? Hi, everyone. Um, so I'm with Technip FMC. Uh, we are an oil field services provider. We've been in the news quite a bit lately. We've spun off um, an engineering and construction group into um, tech, a company called Technip Energies. We're actively um, looking at startups in this space, we're actively looking at clean tech. Um, what I'd like to see it, to ask the group is, what kinds of technologies have you seen that really get you thinking um, about clean tech in, in the energy space and what we need to actually do? This is a group of smart people, I'd like your feedback. So, we have uh, Kenley or Mojo. Anybody want to Moji? Anybody want to talk about this out there and share your opinions? I can definitely say something um, that is probably not usually considered in the ESG uh, uh, space, but came up a couple of weeks ago in a conversation with with one of your one of your competitors. Diana, uh, one of the other major EPC firms here in town, they have a, a new VP of sustainability and, and we had a discussion around the scope three uh, carbon emissions that if you are an EPC or if you're a major operator and you have thousands of suppliers who are selling you stuff every day, whether that's pipes, valves, fittings, cement, mud, you name it, there is, a, there is an associated carbon, an embedded carbon that's associated with that. And so one of the things that she and I discussed was the ability to capture and measure uh, that carbon. It's probably a little further off. I think most people are a little bit focused, more focused on scope one and scope two. This falls into scope three, but at some point we'll probably get there. So 
it's kind of out there and it's probably not on at the top of everybody's head. It's not hydrogen. It's not batteries. It's not all the cool stuff, but it's one of those kind of down in the, down in the uh, trenches things that I think will come up at, at some point in the future. I would, I would agree. We're already hearing scope one and scope two. Um, Technique FMC has made appropriate, uh, at least I believe appropriate promises um, to, to handle scope one and scope two uh, emissions and, and actively reduce them. We have not tackled scope three. Um, so in terms of, of clean tech, um, how are you integrating clean tech into your businesses to hopefully bring down those scope one, scope two, and scope three? Uh, is, is anybody willing to share what their business is doing currently? While you're thinking about that, uh, Diana, please explain for those that are not in this space what scope one, two, and three are. So scope one and two relates directly to the emissions from the business. Uh, scope three is from the supply chain. Uh, typically. So for example, um, Technique FMC, we operate vessels. Uh, we would include in scope two our diesel emissions from our vessels. Um, what we would not include is the uh, diesel emissions from the tugboat that help us get into port. That would be a scope three emission. That's, I don't know if that's a, a helpful analogy, but, but that's how we, we look at it. Well, and I think this is some of the discussion that we have with our industry players, you know, is, is when they're looking for technology or if they got a strategy, you know, is really understanding what is their desired outcome instead of activity, right? So, you know, when people use this term net zero very loosely, right? At the end of the day, what are you trying to measure? You've got, you've got a carbon footprint in cement, right? And, and, and just building, you know, a plant, a facility, right? And sometimes, you know, from you know, your own individual activity, you know, you may say, okay, I've reduced my carbon footprint, but, you know, further down in that system, you may have actually increased your carbon footprint, right? So, you know, that measurement is, is a very, very important aspect. And that's where we see also this collaboration. We cannot look at things as pointed solutions. We have to look at the system as a whole, right? And are we moving in the right direction? Mm -hmm. So when you look at when you look at your firm, um, you know how are you approaching the appropriate energy mix um, for what you do? Uh, you know, I when I um, bought my new home, signed up for electricity. Uh, you know, I was given the option to have the ten percent clean tech. Um, I I didn't do it because I didn't see a price difference. There was no price difference between. Uh, conventional electrical generation and the clean tech. But maybe I should have, maybe there are other opportunities there. Are there, uh, you know, things that your firm is doing to, to approach your own uh, emissions footprint? Anybody like to step in and share what you're doing from your own company's perspective? This is a very uh, large. Uh, we're very quiet. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll admit I didn't change the energy mix at my house, you know, because I've, I've been kind of, I guess, you know, from the oil and gas, I'm so risk averse, right? Um, and I think this, this is part of our, our core nature. How much do I want to take a risk on, on you know, the energy mix, mix in terms of 
you know, that supply, right? You know, maybe I should, you know, after this whole Texas storm, I'm like, maybe I should really kind of relook at this and, and, and really look at, you know, truly what the options are. But I, but I think, yeah, and there's a lot of companies now in Houston, right? And, and working with corporates, right, on, you know, how to, you know, change, you know, the usage of their, their buildings to become, you know, the purchasing of the energy, you know, for their offices and, and other activities, right? So there, there are a lot of firms coming down to Houston and establishing here. All right, so Adam dropped in the chat. Hey, he's representing a small business. He's driving about 70% less for his business than he was before. So that's one way. Uh, people are just doing that less. Yeah. Yeah, I would say my, my footprint has gone down significantly uh, now that we all have Zoom. Um, and my, uh, not just driving, but flying. Um, we're not flying as much. That's a, a different, different generation mix. Though I do have to tell everyone, I am looking at a generator for my house after the Texas storm. So that may, that may offset my travel uh, carbon footprint a little bit once I have my own diesel emissions out back. Right, so. exactly. Mm -hmm. Are they diesel? Diana, when, you're, uh, when you said you were looking for new technology and stuff, does uh, Technique FMC troll things like Start Engine or Greentown Labs? Or are you Absolutely. looking at all those? Absolutely. I scrape as much out of Amy and her team, as much out of Greentown Labs, as much out of the Canon, uh, the Ion, as I possibly can. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the challenge that we're seeing in the space uh, for startups is that they have really, really big problems to solve. Um, you know, this is not something like, I want a different version of Salesforce. So I'm going to come up with my own digital solution to displace Salesforce in these five companies. These are big, big problems. And they require a lot of investment, as Amy said. They require a lot of hardware. Um, and hardware is expensive and hardware takes time and hardware takes people and people take money. Yeah. I, think I would Diana suggest if you haven't on. looked at it to look at the start engine because there's a lot of, uh, sometimes they're a little bit farther along and they're very <laughs> unique technologies. And tell Doug hi for me because we're all Slummer's Way comrades and uh, tell him he needs to get something going there. I will do that. I will do that. And one thing I was going to add, Diana, because we, we kind of talked about this before, is, you know, that the concern if we don't do this, I mean, like, especially on the hard tech, right? So we've got some really good hard tech in, investors. Some of them are actually coming from Silicon Valley. Some are from SpaceX. But, you know, they cannot do it alone. And, you know, concern is we see some of them just kind of giving up and dropping out because they, they do need, you know, industry to kind of partner with them at a very, very early stage, right? So, you know, we've got great options with like ARPA-E where we can write letters of support, and, you know, they can get a couple million dollars for grant, but it's also important for industry to, to help them navigate, right? As they need to build out some of this hard tech, right? It's, they, they can't wait for them to do it on their own because they're, you know, they're just not going to have the bandwidth. 
I have a question. Hi, this is Tatiana Kosiewski, Just Energy. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I have a question for everyone. As we're discussing these possibilities, the future, um, I have a question about budgeting for the renewable energy, for example. How the company can go from to offset their emissions uh, from usual electricity pricing to uh, address and to address um, emissions and buy renewable electricity because it is a little bit more expensive and how that price difference can be budgeted how does it work actually internally in companies because right now what i see on the market is that companies are opting out for cheaper rates for better electricity pricing and you know what are the drivers internal drivers to opt out towards renewable and Unless companies, of course, announced it publicly and they're going forward and also how long it takes to get to, to switch to renewable, 100% renewable, 50% renewable. I just wanted to ask that. What do you think? What your thoughts are? So I work for a fairly large firm. We're about, um, I think, three or four billion revenue um, this year um, at post-spin. Of, of Technip Energies. Um, we, are, we are actively developing our plans for that, mm -hmm. uh, but it's an incredibly complicated, we don't have a, a carbon credit system that allows you to just kind of move things through an exchange. Um, so, so we have to take a really targeted approach. Um, that's why we have promised a certain reduction by 2030 and then a phased reduction beyond that. Um, in terms of budgeting, we do have um, some budget available uh, through, our, through our facilities groups that allows them to sort of negotiate their rates. But again, that's coming from a larger firm's perspective. I'm not sure how it would impact uh, smaller businesses. So Diana, we, we have, uh, I don't know, about three minutes left. Uh, you know, where should investments be prioritized and why is one of those questions. But how would you like to finish this thing off? Yeah, so so I think I'll, I'll just repeat that question for everyone. You know, where should these investments be prior prioritized and why um, for you? Uh, you know, how can, how can we better serve not only our customers, but down the line, if I serve, you know, Chevron, how does Chevron serve you? If I serve Shell, how does Shell serve you? Um, you know, those kinds of questions are, are really interesting to me. So we've got, you know, everybody from uh, Hi Yob, good to see you, from Dow uh, to Lynn mm -hmm. with an engineering uh, company. I mean, do you guys have, you know, where are you spending your money as you're looking towards needing to meet uh, net zero targets in the future? Can you guys share anybody from that group? You can also drop it in the... Uh, the chat if you don't want to. I, I will quickly say that I also see Dave here on the you know, call, Dave Lafferty. Yeah. For, for companies for a quick and easy, the low, lowest hanging fruit right now is to use IoT for, for, for you know, really focusing on their ESG, right? Yeah. Because there, there, there are some really kind of quick wins that they can tackle now, right? To first take that first phased approach of, you know, the, the E is, is, is really, at the end of the day, for, you know, traditional industry players, your operational efficiency, um, 
you know, footprint, amount of time in the field, exposure, all of that. Those are really wins now. Yeah, you're spot on. The very quick wins uh, are using digital tools to change your behavior. So rather than driving out to the well, you uh, you monitor it, you know, remotely. You um, you uh, you have more efficient engines and things like that through the monitoring. So uh, these are things that have immediate impact on both your operating costs, but also because you're changing behavior, you're, 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 you're more green also. So that, and, and so those are very quick wins. Yeah. Thanks, David. I, you have Matt Bell drops in, uh, you know, also, is anyone looking at efficiency improvements, right? Rather than just sourcing the same amount of power from new source, right? That's a major push in Europe, but maybe not so much here, right? So that's a, that's a struggle. I, I think the equipment uh, monitoring world is, that's where they're all looking at is how, how can I be more efficient, even like a rod lift operation, uh, which, which is three quarters of the wells in, in North America are on um, rod lift. And uh, just simple efficiencies around that uh, can yield, you know, you know, 25, you know, percent more, you know, production and things like that. So, so yeah, that definitely, th those are quick wins because you don't have to build out all this new, new infrastructure. You just are better using the stuff that you already have. Mm -hmm. well, last word, Diana. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, Hamid actually had a, a comment. He's got his hand raised, so I'll, I'll let him go. Hamid, if you're still yeah. there. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for uh, giving me the opportunity to uh, participate in this uh, fruitful uh, discussion. Actually, I am in the business development uh, department in, Rastur in uh, Saudi Aramco, and I've uh, spent uh, almost seven years in Rastanura refinery, the, the major refinery in the region. Uh, and we uh, came uh, through the diesel hydro treating uh, plant to reduce the sulfur content in the diesel in Rastanura refinery uh, from 500, from 10,000 to 500. So uh, I think uh, so Saudi Aramco in general, they are uh, moving in, in the right direction. Also, we are having some initiatives like desulfurization uh, initiative, and uh, they are trying their best uh, to, to uh, comply with the, uh, all environment regulations in the kingdom. Also, I am handling, you know, like uh, underground, uh, the underground uh, water, Injection permits right. is limited, limited there in, the, in Saudi Arabia, and the government is very restricted now to give any uh, additional permit for the company and other uh, player in the market. And they have, uh, you know, like uh, several parameters needs to be met in order to renew the water injection uh, permit. So I think Saudi Aramco is moving in the right direction. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Anything else, Diana? No, I don't think so. I've got, I've got a whole full page notes here. So. Right. 
got to take those back and take those back and process. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks, Hamid, and thanks, everybody. That's the last word. So how was the networking today? Uh, you or someone you know interested in leading a discussion, just like Amy and Diana did today. Uh, please go ahead and click on the survey link now in the chat that I just dropped and let us know. You know, FTE actually belongs to you. It's your community, uh, your networking platform. So don't forget to follow up and connect the dots with people after the meeting. If you had a good experience on FTE today, why not share it so we can build the community with others you want to network with. For the newsletters, invite connections on LinkedIn. Okay, go ahead and complete that six question survey and you'll receive a copy of today's participant list with their full contact details. Folks, we're out of time. Join us on our next event, March 23rd. Uh, this will be a business-to-business cross-industry networking session. Don't miss it. You can sign up right now on fte.network. And finally, thanks again to Amy and Diana. Enjoy the time uh, we had with you and for all of you for making this the smartest 45 minutes of your day. Take care. We'll see you next time. Thank you.